Open your cerebral cortex and shift your lobes into upper beta phase because you are going to have Bitcoin knowledge transmitted directly into your vestibulocochlear. Your host of Bitcoin Knowledge is Trace Mayer, an early Bitcoin advocate since it cost a quarter, but this is not intended to be investment advice. A doctor of jurisprudence, but this is definitely not legal advice. And an investor in core cryptocurrency infrastructure, including Armory, BitPay, Kraken, and Mitagio, but this is not a recommendation of those services. Here, you get fed via direct mind download with pure and free Bitcoin knowledge. Welcome back to uh, the Bitcoin Knowledge Podcast. We got a, a, a tremendous interview here with Jaron. I won't even try to pronounce the last name. Uh, maybe you can tell us a little bit about yourself. CEO of Coinsetter, uh, one of the larger, more uh, institutional fo- focused exchanges. Uh, Jaron. Sure. Thanks. Um, so, yeah, we have built a, an institutional class, low latency Bitcoin exchange um, in the middle. You know, we it's, you know, basically a trading system built by Wall Street uh, professionals. Yeah, because you're you're former Wall Street, right? Like investment banker at where JP Morgan. Yeah, investment banking, Chase. private equity, JP Morgan, um, and uh, you know Marshall uh, Swat, our CTO, uh, was formerly with uh, a number of uh, firms across Wall Street as well uh, on the forex side, and uh, you know that has converted very very uh, directly into the platform that we had to build and have have now built. Yeah. So now, like, when did Coinsetter actually get like you got your funding? I think from Barry. What like, gosh, two years ago now, probably. Yeah. To date, we've raised one point seven million dollars um, through uh, uh, two rounds. We, uh, you know, our initial round, yeah, was uh, backed by Barry Silbert. It was one of his earlier investments um, that was back also when no one cared about Bitcoin, which uh, I'm sure you remember. Well, I, yeah, well, I cared about Bitcoin. But yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, there were very few of us that, that cared about Bitcoin back then. Um, and one of the big problems we had back then uh, was definitely like the latency issue. <laughs> like Mount Gox was just, uh, you'd get like nine, nine hour delays in some cases when there's lots of volatility. So can you, uh, can you talk a little bit about the, the importance of having this like very fast, very kind of clean API exchange, uh, when we're going after like the institutional money? Yeah. Well, and I think that, um, everyone deserves a reliable exchange. So, uh, if you're talking about latency, it, for, for the average Bitcoin company, it's going to be less about like, am I getting millisecond, uh, responses on, uh, on my, you know, trades, um, you know, it, or, or my orders, uh, it, you know, for them, it's really going to be more about, uh, you know, can I reasonably assume that my trades are going to go through with some sort of decent timing on it? And more importantly, am I getting great pricing in a liquid order book? The liquid order book aspect is the absolute most important uh, thing that we try to focus on. So um, not only have we aggregated Bitstamps order book and we do so in a very low latency fashion, uh, but also we have a big uh, um, focus right now on uh, market makers and and uh, really different things we can do to attract more professional market makers, uh, specifically people who are not currently uh, participating in the in the market. Uh, so you know I think. One one of the biggest things that we've done over the past month is release a fixed API, which uh, makes us plug and play for most uh, institutional trading systems. 
most, uh, um, you know, anyone who's running an alg- uh, an automated algorithm in uh, commodities or Forex, uh, we essentially make those uh, algorithms plug and play for the Bitcoin market. So uh, when you look at what I believe will accomplish over the next six months, it's not just offering uh, our already deep order book, but it's really about offering a lot of new liquidity, scalable liquidity that isn't currently there. And that will benefit Bitcoin companies and everyone who's uh, participating in the market. Yeah, th- this is really important. I notice, uh, like I see it a lot when I'm talking with Jesse over cracking, because I mean, that's the exchange I invested in. But like being able to aggregate these, these liqu- this liquidity in these order books, um, do you think that's important from like the, the regulatory standpoint? When we look at the further financialization of Bitcoin that's coming, uh, like the CFTC just approved Terra Exchange uh, for Bitcoin derivatives and swaps, things like that. When, when, it, when we're talking about this price discovery, this, this market making, uh, is it important for our exchanges to be kind of linked together in a lot of these, these ways? I don't have a direct answer because I think that each exchange is different in its own way. And, uh, you definitely, I definitely don't think that we'd want to see an SEC style regulation where all exchanges are, are forced to, uh, post each other's quotes. But, uh, you definitely have a number of arbitragers who, uh, arbitrage between the exchanges and create some sort of liquidity. And as more and more exchanges become regulated, the different perceived differences between those exchanges will, uh, will disappear. So really, you know, I think we just try to focus on ourselves and say, can we provide the best technology? Ours is certainly, uh, 10 times better than I think anything else in the market. Uh, you know, can we, uh, provide a lot of liquidity and can we incentivize new new people to enter the space. So I can only, I can only speak for what we're trying to do, but I, what I'll say is, you know, on something like Terra exchange where they are uh, very dependent on it, basically an index pricing, it does become important. Uh, I think our bitstamp integration is extremely important just for that very reason, because, uh, you know, the, the majority of people who are looking for spot trading based on a derivatives contract on Terra are probably going to be trading something pretty close to bitstamp. Uh, and what we offer is through our fixed API plug and play connectivity to Terra exchanges OMS. That's actually something we're in the works on right now. So, uh, not only will you be able to trade those derivatives, but you'll also be able to trade coins that are spot in a very low latency fashion. And, you know, if you're market making on either platform, uh, we would allow you to link those systems very easily. Nice. Yeah. Cause I, I'm personally of the opinion that the, the more diversity that we have in the ecosystem, the more resilient it's going to be. So like the more like types of wallets that we have, the more, uh, the more exchanges we have, like that way we can distribute a lot of this, uh, perceived systemic risk. I mean, we saw Mt. Gox fail, uh, $500 million, just poof. Um, which highlights the importance of the security of the exchange. Now I know with Coinsetter, you've got something called the secure coin. Mm-hmm. Uh, can you, can you go into a little, a uh, little bit in depth about like, what that is, how you're making sure that customer funds are like properly segregated and secured, et cetera. Sure. So uh, our secure coin system is a uh, uh, entirely cold storage system right now. Um, we uh, we utilize a few different tools in uh, in protecting funds. So uh, I would say that uh, anything that is uh, very transactional in nature, uh, we utilize Armory for that. Oh, Armory! Uh, I've heard that one before. <laughs> I thought you would have. <laughs> 
And, uh, you know, we used Armory, uh, you know, everything, all public and private key pairs are created offline in an Armory wallet and a uh, custom, custom, uh, uh, OS Linux laptop that never touches the internet. Um, you know, I think we, you know, pretty much stick to industry best practices on, on how we, uh, create, create keys, how we, uh, you know, only transport, uh, public keys. And again, in a, you know, using, very secure methods, um, uh, how we store private keys, uh, you know, whether it's through vaults and, uh, um, you know, offline methods. And, uh, and so, you know, I think our transactional money is really held there. Um, we also, uh, hold approximately 50% of our customer funds in, in, uh, Zappos vault. So, uh, you know, we utilize Zappos vault, uh, that also allows us to offer insurance. It allows us to diversify where funds are held. And, uh, and then, you know, finally we hold a, a portion of customer funds, uh, securely on, on Bitstamp as well. So that's further diversification, uh, that also provides liquidity for, for trading. Um, and, uh, and so, you know, I think there's, there's a big focus on, you know, we, if, if someone is looking for a very, uh, rapid withdrawal, uh, or especially a consumer facing payment, we're probably not the solution for them. But if someone is looking for, a, you know, uh, on every single withdrawal, you know, a human, uh, a manual human review on that, um, you know, a, uh, uh, actual like cold storage processing. So nothing, you know, on coins that are, 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 private keys never touch the internet. Like they're never in a location where they could ever be compromised. Uh, so anyone who would be interested in that kind of, uh, protection would, would be interested in us. Yeah, I know. I'm, I'm pretty paranoid about anything that touches the internet. So I, I definitely appreciate that, uh, aspect of the security. Um, you mentioned kind of the, this, this concept of industry standards, uh, and th- this industry is completely new. Uh, and you're right here in New York. Uh, it makes me wonder if it's insanity or masochism <laughs> when it comes to regulation with the bit license. Uh, I mean, you're ground zero with that. How how do you think the bit license uh, is going to be affecting you, affecting the industry? I mean, you want to be right here at the nexus between uh, Bitcoin and Wall Street and the institutional players. New York's a natural choice for that. Uh, what, what are kind of your thoughts on the development of these industry standards, these, the, this regulation, all the, you know, it's a big, big can of worms there. Uh, yeah. It, you know, it'll be interesting to see where the next, uh, set of proposed regulations go with the bit license. Uh, I think, you know, it, it's been, uh, pretty widely commented by different people in the industry on the problems that the current regulations had. And I, and I think the real problem we all saw is that there, there must've been some very large uh, miscommunication between the industry and the regulators from the beginning, because uh, ultimately I think, you know, we were really looking for a path in order to become licensed and we were looking for those requirements and, you know, the, uh, specific regulatory requirement we have deals with anyone who's interacting between the exchange of fiat and, uh, Bitcoin. Uh, and that, you know, is an act of money transmission. Uh, and really the, the regs pretty much ignored those problems and they focused solely on, uh, custody of Bitcoin, tr- transmission of Bitcoin, like things that A, no one really asked, uh, to be regulated and B, uh, things that I, don't really believe need to be regulated. Uh, you know, there, it, uh, um, 
if you look at a lot of other states, I think that they're taking the stance that, you know, money transmission will, uh, will be, will still apply to dollar funds flows, but not necessarily to Bitcoin funds flows. I think you can look at cash as an example of maybe a, uh, a, a licensing regime that makes sense, or maybe not a licensing regime, but regulatory requirements, uh, that would be very applicable to Bitcoin. So, you know, keeping the, uh, the, let's call it lack of reporting requirements, uh, once Bitcoin is obtained, but making sure that, you know, bit, you know, exchanges, for instance, that are processing transactions of a certain size for a customer, at least keep those records and report if necessary. So, um, you know, I think that, you can just look to cash. Uh, cash is a much larger market. It's, uh, you know, much more anonymous than Bitcoin is. So, um, you know, I, I, uh, I hope to see the regulations go in that direction, but I don't write the regulations. So, uh, it'll, you know, it's anyone's best guess. Yeah. I mean, this is, this is really a kind of an inflection point, I think, for the U.S. and New York in general. Uh, and by the time this interview actually gets out, we'll probably be well, well along, uh, in this regards anyways. But Bitcoin's the first time the data itself has been the value. As you mentioned, we got, you know, anti-money laundering, KYC issues, but we've also got information security issues. We've got uh, crypto, like this new form of crypto property. Uh, one of the other exchanges I'm invested in, Natagio, uh, they're actually based out of the Isle of Man, and uh, they're a physical gold Bitcoin British pound exchange. And they just finished their ISAE 3000 assurance audit that got signed off by BDO. And, you know, that's kind of the best we can do. It's like a Type 70 SAS 2 audit, uh, but it it's kind of the best we can do from the information security standpoint to making sure that, that that data, that private key to the Bitcoins is actually kept safe and secure. Um, in the Bit license, there's a, what is it, a chief information security officer or something like that, a, mm-hmm. a, CIS, a CISO requirement. Do you, do you think that's going to become increasingly important in in this space, like just being able to perform the actual security of of the of the private keys, and then like formalizing standards around that? Kind of like we got international accounting standards and and information system standards, things like that. We might even need to come up with a new form of like crypto property standards. Yeah. Uh, obviously the uh, chief technology or chief security officer of any company is going to be, uh, a just extremely important part of, uh, a company's success and, and, uh, their ability to protect customer funds. Uh, my, my concern would be, uh, can, uh, regulatory bodies have enough foresight in someone's, uh, uh, character that they uh, can judge whether someone's suitable for the job. And, and I don't think they can be, uh, you know, there are plenty of examples of uh, people who have gained trust or sounded, uh, I mean, the whole finance industry for the most part uh, on, uh, on the deal-making side is composed John, of John people John Corzine, Madoff. I yeah, mean, exactly. <laughs> we've never right. had problems in this area, right? Exactly. And, and you know, I think that, uh, um, you know, there are a number of people in the world who are very good at, at uh, uh, holding a smile and, and uh, even when they know everything is wrong or that they're not capable or that they're flat out doing something wrong. So uh, I... I uh, really believe that 
as in terms of a licensing requirement, I don't, I don't know that you can actually, uh, uh, make that decision based on like who the person is. Um, what I would say is, you know, if, if they want to place licensing requirements on the security, like let's just make them clear. Like let's make what those security requirements are. Do Bitcoins need to be held in a certain way? Must every single company use an Armory wallet? I'm sure you'd love that. Um, uh, well, I wouldn't like a regulation that does that, at least <laughs> I'm, not I'm personally. But I mean, but but it raises a point. Like with with Armory, we. Uh, like Alan innovated this uh, type two hierarchical deterministic wallet. And now with the multi-sig and our next generation of wallets that are going to be coming out where we're using trees instead of just the chains, we're going to be able to, uh, like people will be able to use the Armory software to craft security plans where they're distributing out that signing authority. in some cases, it could be even like 21 out of 35 total signatures that are going to be needed to move coins. And so, you know, Satoshi comes out with this decentralized distributed network and currency. And the first thing that we do is run and try to centralize it. You know, and then we see it in the bit license. We run and try to centralize all the signing authority or at least the security responsibility in the CISO. When really, like, I think it might be better to, to keep those private keys widely distributed. Because uh, then it would require a whole lot more collusion or theft or compromising of a particular individual in order to see those funds uh, like disappear. Definitely, um, I, uh, you know, I think the multi-sig stuff is so early stage still, and uh, it's very obvious that that will solve a lot of problems. Um, ultimately, I think one of the what will be great to see is not only are keys distributed, but are they protected in different ways that are not necessarily easy to find out? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you don't necessarily want getting to the centralization thing. You don't, you almost don't even want 10 multi-state companies focusing on, multi, you know, the protection around those keys, because if, if, unless, you know, you know, you can, I, I think, you know, with that type of centralization, you can definitely start to poke holes in the system. Um, you know, when you have so many companies working on one thing. So, uh, yeah, once again, getting back to that, like we want a wide variety of life because that becomes more anti-fragile to use, uh, what is it? Taleb's, I think Nassim Taleb's book, anti-fragile, mm-hmm. uh, where in Bitcoin, I actually think is anti-fragile in the sense that not only when, when something's fragile, when we introduce chaos, it, you know, it'll shatter it, but we don't really have something that gets stronger when we introduce more chaos, uh, a word for that. And that's what this anti-fragile concept is that he brought up And Bitcoin. It really seems is very anti-fragile in this sense. Every time we've had a setback, every time we've had a problem, Bitcoin's actually adapted uh, in the way we've, we've used Bitcoin has adapted to make it even more resilient. Uh, so, well, that's why side chains are so interesting. Yeah. The block block enhance the speed of that. Yeah, Blockstream just raised their uh, 15 million. It, time of the interview uh, was just yesterday is when they made the press release. So, yeah, the, these side chains and and other uh, other tree chains, the way that we're going to be implementing and adapting and and building out Bitcoin, uh, I think is going to to become uh, much more exciting. Also, because I mean, we're trading. I mean, at the heart of it, we're trading just this one unit. You know, there's what twenty. There's a hundred million satoshis per Bitcoin, and that's like the unit that we're really trading, like on your exchanges. Yeah. But what we can do with that, 
uh, with that unit in this Bitcoin network, I mean, the possibilities are really kind of endless. And so, you know, all the way from the security to the regulation, I think we've really got to keep our our minds open in order to allow for all this innovation uh absolutely i mean uh uh that that's the biggest fear with the regulation right now is just that it can completely uh put a block on innovation in the u.s and uh you know uh, right now the blockchain is completely uh uh traceable and it might be great to also implement additional privacy features into the blockchain and i mean who knows who knows what the future future holds but uh you know it it is good for it is good for the industry to have the ability to test those things out and and uh if they're successful you know people will move over to, over to those side chains and bitcoin can become uh, much more fluid towards uh customer demands or user demands uh, just to just to wrap up, we're we're pretty running a little bit short on time with the interview. What's the the single thing that you're most excited about with Bitcoin? Like what what's the? I mean, we're just the beginning of this industry. Like you you've decided to move over from investment banking. Nice career over there. Like why? I mean, why are you so excited, so passionate about this space? Uh, well, I get excited just because I, uh, a couple of reasons. One is I look at the financial system and it, it is broken and it's breaking further. Uh, you look at a lot of the regulations that have come in place within the banking sphere and uh, they are becoming such uh, barriers to uh, companies starting and innovating. Um, they, they really do uh, uh, test people's freedom. Um, and I think the whole regulatory regime around the banking system is extremely flawed. It's based on let's, uh, let's try to predict if someone is going to be a bad actor and then act accordingly based on that instead of let's make it easily traceable to understand if someone does wrong that we can find them. And, uh, and so that I, I believe is what Bitcoin provides. Um, it's a, a new technology. Uh, if you, you know, kind of read about the wind hover principles that were also released this week, that, that kind of goes, uh, in that direction where, you know, you, right now you have to provide, uh, uh, identity verification documents, uh, utility bill, all these things, which can be, uh, counterfeited. And, uh, and, and regardless, like what, you know, if, if we, uh, uh, if, if you go and show that to us or a bank or anyone, like what kind of, you, it's impossible to make a, an educated decision on whether uh, someone is going to commit crimes on your platform in advance. Yet we, we still uh, face the consequences for that. So uh, you, you're uh, the whole financial system now is just one big guessing game. And, uh, and I think Bitcoin provides uh, new uh, regulatory options that uh, will allow people to, have freedom and control over their own money, uh, but kind of also provide what I think society, most of society would consider to be, uh, some sort of decent and moral, like, uh, uh ethical safeguard, uh, in terms of, uh, you know, if someone goes and commits a, a very bad crime, like, you know, trying to, um, uh, well, I won't, I won't mention specific crimes, but, uh, you know, some of the really bad ones that, uh, at least we can track those people down through the blockchain and, you know, ultimately their identity is probably going to, um, uh, you know, and end up at some exchange. 
So, uh, you know, I, I'm very excited about what the technology uh, provides just in terms of people's freedom. I also uh, I really, really am passionate about it, you know, the ability to help the underbanked, uh, the ability to lower remittance costs. Um, it it aggregate, aggravates me to no end uh, to see how much people are charged for sending money uh, overseas to Mexico or the fact that, like, people's bank bank accounts are being shut down. Um, and, and just how difficult it is to send money in general in, you know, I mean, we're in 2014 and, uh, and sending money overseas, it can be a manual process and, you know, it, it, uh, it's very confusing. Anyone who's ever had to send an international wire transfer knows how difficult and unnecessarily complex it is to maneuver around these systems. So once you start using Bitcoin, it becomes very obvious that, you know, this is, uh, a much uh, a much better tool, not just from what I said on on kind of the um, you know how I think it can enhance the world in terms of regulation and and how we live, uh, you know, but also just getting down to can we can we help make people relatively richer, uh, specifically uh, the poor. Yeah, that's uh, the current system. It is it is totally broken. And you're one of the the CEOs, major institutional B2B exchange that's building the solutions. Uh, Thanks so much for being on the Bitcoin Knowledge Podcast, Jeremy. Thanks for having me. Be sure to get a copy of the free Bitcoin guide at freebitcoinguide.com. Got a question or suggestion? Record your voice at bitcoin.kn. Don't be shy. To help the show, share Bitcoin.kn with friends, post about it on Reddit, and otherwise spam the interwebs. Your iTunes comments and five-star reviews are very important to us. Please continue tuning in to the Bitcoin Knowledge Podcast, where we release interviews with the top people in the Bitcoin world. Now take some choline and let that Bitcoin knowledge consolidate.